episode number 109. Welcome to the Getting Unstuck podcast, where you'll laugh, empathize, and learn how to turn your stuck spots into sources for energy and positive change. And now your host, the creator of the Stuck Method, Shira Taylor-Gura. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy to hear those of you who enjoyed meeting my coach, Netta, in last week's episode, and in hearing your responses to episode 107 with my husband and the baseball story. I received an email from Dr. Liebling, a clinical psychologist from the Chicago suburbs, regarding episode 107, and she gave me permission to share her words on the podcast. This is what she wrote. I loved this episode. I think it's a great example of how when one person makes a change, it has a ripple effect on another. When you were able to own your part in the issue, it allowed your husband to make a change too. Too often, people wait for the other person to make a change instead of working on themselves. I think it was an especially powerful example because you never backed down from your truth or apologized for staying firm on the issue. That is, you feeling right in not throwing him a pitch. You took ownership for how you handled it, which is totally different. Thanks for being so willing to share your stories. Well, thank you, Dr. Liebling, for your response and for taking the time to email me your thoughts. They really do mean a lot to me. So we are now in the beginning of June, and before I share with you this week's story, just a reminder that I'm gifting away one deck of consideration cards at the end of each month. If you leave an iTunes review for this podcast, you will be automatically entered. I announce one winner on the last Tuesday of every month, so please consider leaving me a review if you have yet to do so. Okay, so this week's story is actually a story from my book, Getting Unstuck, Five Simple Steps to Emotional Well-Being. This story is about my husband, who, bless his heart, gives me permission to share my stories about him on this podcast. And a story that I will share with you in a couple of weeks, also relating to my husband, it's really nothing new. It's like the same concept or the same patterns, and they're just different scenes. It kind of goes like this. I have my beliefs. He has his beliefs. We have a difference of opinion, which leads to an eruption. But what we can do is learn from our stories. We can learn about our automatic reactions. We can learn about our historic patterns. And we can create change in ourselves with patience and practice. And over time, transformation really does occur. Let me share the story with you and then some thoughts afterwards. So the name of the story in my book is called Stuck on Ways. Not long ago, my husband, children, and I went on a family hike to a place we had never been. As my husband pulled out of the parking lot of our community, I noticed he was plugging his phone into the car adapter and turning on the navigation app Waze. Do you want help with that? I'd be happy to navigate, I said. 
No, I'm good, my husband replied. Sitting in the passenger seat while the driver's attention is partly on his phone really makes me anxious. I noticed my upset but chose to ignore it. We drove for 20 minutes when my husband picked up his phone again and looked at it. You know, it really makes me nervous when you use your phone while driving. Can you please let me hold the phone? I asked. I do this all the time. He was getting annoyed. How do you think I get to my new job sites for work? I've got a perfect driving record. Just calm down. Ugh, I cannot stand it when people tell me to calm down. I closed my eyes. I took a deep breath. Ten minutes from our destination, he again glanced at his phone. I began to shout. Do I need to treat you like one of the kids? Do I really need to parent you? Driving while looking at your phone is dangerous. Don't you know most car accidents these days are caused because of cell phone usage? I won't stand for that in this car, especially with the four children in it. Then my husband also flipped out yelling about how he's a safe driver and can handle doing two things at once and yada, yada, yada. I couldn't hear what he was saying. I could only hear the story in my mind. Because I was right. 100%. There was no doubt about it. None whatsoever. The problem was, which I couldn't see at the time, being right never helps solve a problem when you're in the middle of it. We continued to scream it out, yes, in front of the children, until my husband just yelled, Stop! Does does he know the stop method? And the car went silent. No one said a word until the car was put into park. Oh, I was stuck on frustration, you can be sure about that. But at the same time, with the silence surrounding us, I was able to center myself enough to process the incident and my beliefs around it. I thought about how my husband should have known better and should have respected my wishes. I thought about how he was entirely wrong. Certain of my beliefs, I told myself I had nothing else to consider. Nothing. I was really, really stuck. But knowing that many of our beliefs are not 100% accurate, I tried to and succeeded in uncovering one last belief. I believed I needed to have that conversation in that moment. Did I really? Could I have waited until we arrived at our destination instead of bringing it up while he was driving? I stretched my consideration muscles the best I could and finally came up with the following. I could have waited to speak to him later that night when we were both calm and not in the heat of the moment, and in that conversation, request that I would be the driver on our family vacations from now on. I got stuck on frustration, but it's okay. Later, I apologized, and we were able to move on from the incident. I still haven't decided if it's important enough to me that I always be the driver on our family vacations in order to avoid this from happening again in the future, but I plan to keep considering that. So that was the story from the book. And here are some thoughts to follow that also come from the book. We continue to get stuck on things because triggers will never cease to exist. 
They will endure as long as we live and no matter how often we practice. Outer triggers, such as unexpected traffic, no milk left in the refrigerator for your morning coffee, and the electricity suddenly going out, are as common as inner voice triggers like, you're not good enough, you are fat, or you should feel guilty. All of us have at least one dominant recurring trigger, too. Reflect on your life for a moment. What or who is your recurring trigger? Could it be your spouse? Your mother? Your mother-in-law? Your boss? Your financial situation? Your weight? Be honest. My recurring trigger is my husband. And this is not to say that I don't love my husband, nor is it to say that I don't admire or highly respect him. I do. I also know I trigger him as well. My expectations of him are actually desires that lead to frustration when I feel as if he's not listening to me or does not see the world the way I see it. For many years, these recurring situations at home saddened me. Until one day, while implementing the stuck method, it dawned on me that I could consider the incidents between my husband and me as a gift, and that I could consider my triggers as my greatest opportunities for self-growth and development. It took me a while to understand this and appreciate it, but when I did, doing so turned my life around. For example, my husband has an expectation of how I should do the dishes. I don't live up to that expectation and it triggers him. And when he gets triggered, I react and get stuck on resentment. Yet with experience, I've learned to anticipate my dishwashing style will trigger my husband. Therefore, I can strategically put myself in a place of control and prepare for a stop. Additionally, when my husband is stuck on something, I often now recognize it as an opportunity to practice compassion and loving kindness. Not always, but with each day, more and more often. And yet, now this is not from the book, I still either try to change him or I try to show him where he's stuck in order to help him get unstuck. Still, to this day, I find myself doing that. I don't do it as frequently as I used to, and if I do get stuck, I get unstuck a lot quicker than I used to. And I get to a place of clarity of what my next steps should be. But I do still get stuck, and that's okay. That just reminds me that I'm human, just like you. So that's my story for today, my friends. Next week, we have a listener who sent in an audio clip of one of her getting unstuck stories that I think you'll really enjoy so please be sure to tune in. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And as always, I look forward to getting unstuck with you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Getting Unstuck podcast. 
For more information on programs, workshops, and retreats, check out our website, www.shiragura.com. 